And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Look, everything around us is digital these days. You got digital marketing, digital advertising, digital phones, everything's gone digital, but there's been quite a bit of change and evolution when it comes to digital marketing. And that is exactly what I'm going to talk about with today's guest. Before I get into who that is, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I have Michael Richards and Michael is the COO at 561 Media. That is a digital marketing firm located in sunny Boca Raton, Florida. At least I'm assuming it's sunny. Maybe Michael will have something more to say about that. So let's just go ahead and say, Michael, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, man, it's nice to be here. It is very sunny. We're about 100 degrees right now. I just walked out to my truck, so... Yeah, well, I'm here in Kansas City. It's been it's been 100 degrees a lot here too. So, uh, and I guess that means it's sunny. So, you know, let's go ahead and get started with a little bit about your backstory and a little bit about what Five Six One Media does. Yeah, so uh, Five Six One Media, we've been around. We're going on 15 years uh, next February. Um, from that side, we actually started up as one of the original e-commerce development companies. I mean, we used to build custom .NET shopping carts. For people and you know as that went on and they'd spend fifty sixty thousand dollars on e-commerce platforms that didn't exist you know 15 years ago questions started to happen hey now that we have this built how do we go to our sales teams actually market it how do we get new customers outside of the existing and the old um you know old hitting the pounding the pavement for sales that's kind of where you know our adage came along we started out after that point still building developing a lot of different web-based applications e-commerce and then molded into large scale SEO, Google ads that got presented, or you know at the time AdWords. Now that we're functioning more as a complete digital marketing service from really content development through your paid medias. We were one of the first companies to actually be able to have small business testing on Hulu two years ago with their advertising platform that I believe just rolled out public actually within the last month or month or two. So people should see more of those coming in. But you know, we've we've been a fluctuating technology company for the last 15 years and really molding based on what customers and clients are needing from uh, digital marketing and media company. I guess I should probably go ahead and drop a definition of digital marketing at some points. So digital marketing is also known as online marketing, which refers to advertising delivered through digital channels to promote brands and connect potential customers using the internet and other forms of digital communication, search engines, websites, social media, phones, who knows? There's a whole lot. And, you know, this is definitely, um, you know, when you look at the history of advertising, 
I mean, there's still a bit of infancy that is um, surrounding digital marketing, although it's really kind of taken over the, the, the world of marketing. You know, there was, uh, oh man, I mean, print dominated forever. And now it's like, what's a newspaper? Who gets the newspaper still? Does anyone get the newspaper anymore? Yeah, I mean, if you go to Starbucks, I see everybody there still reading those. So, I mean, really? granted, we have a high, we're Boca Raton. So, you know, 75-year-olds still like to get there. Yeah, I was going to say. And, yeah, and there's the, uh, the New York Times down here where they can't pick it up at, at their local borough upstate. So. Are they just leaving? Are they all sharing the same copy that was left behind by the last guy? You know what? That's a good question. Probably just the bathroom, I'd imagine, is where that yeah, one maybe. gets left at. Yeah, yeah, they keep it. But, you know, the, the unique thing with digital marketing is we surpassed – um, traditional media almost three years ago and, and average spend, right? And total spend. And like you said, it's still at an infancy stage and it's still adapting to what's there. And, you know, what we've seen here over the last year is that shift where people's privacy matters more than ever. We're losing a lot of those techniques that were so beneficial, you know, before. So we are kind of going back into what I would say. It's like, we've left the iron age of digital marketing. We're moving forward into the future. You know, what we're going to see come about, I think over the next five years is really going to change, especially with the implementation of AI um, with each vertical that you want to be in. They, just the adaption of those will be unique to see how much do we look at something where we want to trust what Meta is telling us to do when Google saying, hey, use this new system that we have compared to um, you know our traditional strategies and being more of, we kind of see those centaur style uh, chess companies or chess teams that used to be out there, excuse me. Where you know you have AI make the small moves, but the bigger picture is handled more by somebody on a strategy side who understands human interaction. They understand the messaging, the call to actions, what design means to them. So there's a, there's a lot of shifts that I could see still coming here in the future, even at this massive stage that it's in. You know where where do we parlay new new ideas as well? You mentioned uh, certain advertising techniques or methods becoming outdated or just kind of we've moved away from them what are a couple examples i mean it's not it's not, i wish we could still use them right i mean it's just even cookie tracking i mean that's going to change google's basically released new updates on their side just the way that we're going to be able to track customers user-based feedback is more important than ever i mean it is one of those things of to truly say how somebody heard of you first you almost have to ask anymore right i mean there's so many verticals that you run in as a good e-commerce or digital service where, you know, you're doing emails, you can do UTM tracking on all of these items. You can do your ads on Facebook and Instagram. You can be on YouTube, you know, you can see where people click, but the idea still goes back to traditional media, right? What's the value of having the brand in front of something? What's the value of doing an interview like this for, you know, even for myself and, and our others, it's, it's about getting your voice out there and being seen. So we have to come back and really start garnering that user feedback when somebody does come in from a sales touch or even your site. Hey, how did you hear about us first? Um, you know, those those are the types of things that we've had to evolve back into. It'll be interesting to see what it is, but it's really garnered all around the privacy of each other. The iOS apps, we all see it now, right? They ask, do you want to share this information with the advertiser or the app developers? That's something new that we used to get for free. And now we're you know, trying to figure out how to capture that data again. So we're not flying blind when, when we're, you know, positioning our ads. How has that changed the approach or, or delivery 
of services and advice that a firm like yours gives to clients that, you know, and what, and what Michael's talking about is a lot of the, you see these sweeping changes that really kind of started with Apple's locking down of a lot of iPhone related stuff. So it makes it hard to track, retarget, or even measure or judge the success of certain things that you're doing. And that could be as simple as like you click an ad, you visit a site, you buy a product as an advertiser wanting to know that that ad worked and how it worked and or even that it was successful at all has a whole lot to do with whether or not you're going to spend any more money on it. Now, without access to some of that click tracking or cookie tracking uh, that Michael was talking about earlier, it makes it difficult to do that. So how have you had to change to, to adapt to the, the type of ads or success metrics that you're sharing with clients? I mean, from a KPI standpoint, you know, it's, it's something from a firm where it was pretty large and different, right? My job's not to prove to you how I'm doing well at, at what we perform with. Our goal is to make sure we're in line with you as a customer. So we set those KPIs and those metrics of saying, what type of success do you want to see in these areas? We can show keyword rankings. We can show traffic. You can show those types of items. You can show, you know, most people bottom line is sales that they want to see an increase on. Um, you know, that, that's first is always trying to be transparent, right? To establish your KPIs with your marketing firm or even your internal sales base. Here's how we want to measure. Um, based upon those, you know, we can say, is this possible? Is it not? And here's the items that we can use to show those. That's really what it is. And, and initially what we found to be the best case scenario with any client coming on board, any existing client, even as they mature and change, <clears throat> it's really set up buyer avatars and profiles and what's your customer look like, you know, from A, B and C versions. Those are certain things that you can now target a little better if we know, you know, what their buying influences are, who they are, what they like to purchase. Um, you know, we can get them engaged and usually share that information. But most of our stuff, you know, luckily for us is when we're doing e-commerce style business and signups, it's how many new customers have signed on, right? Based upon what their sales system looks like. Um, you know, and, and how to work with them seamlessly is, is really the main way for me. I mean, I'm, I'm in business development. That's a lot of my background. End of the day, what do we care about, right? New user growth, essentially in sales. That's usually how we can measure something that's, that's moving positive. We also do look at, you know, interaction over 90 days. Are we seeing, you know, more traffic coming in? Do we have prospect pipeline that's, that's driven higher? Can we, you know, go back and get capture these with our 90 day sales cycles and emails? A lot of differences, but it all comes down, you know, to being transparent with each other from day one, I think, on what they're looking for as a client and what we can produce as a firm. And that's something anybody can do, you know, at any level of, of leadership, I think, pretty easily. So there's been a lot of trends when it comes to digital marketing. And, you know, you've seen this, uh, uh, you know, changes from, I think one of the biggest changes is, I mean, and everybody listening would have noticed we're kind of in the era of the short, the real, the story, um, which has, uh, I, in my opinion, for, for visual mediums, just meaning anything you see that's like, you know, filmed, uh, has become on some levels incredibly simplistic, meaning like it's you can do it with your phone. And yeah. you know, I think that's actually pretty cool because, you know, everyone's got a smartphone these days and I, I, 
people had a million excuses for not making a good short anything video. And now, you know, I think, I think that the, the advance of the smartphone and then this short form of uh, ability to create content and then COVID COVID hits and like everyone was at home. So like suddenly you could record a 20 second clip and you could clearly be at your home. Like now I know you listening can't, can't see Michael or I, but you know, I can see you're in an office. I'm in a home office right now. And five years ago, I probably would have been terrified to publish a short video where it's like, Oh, that dude's at home. But now you can do that. And it's, yeah. you know, there's just so, so much of it. How is, how is that? Uh, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, uh, you know, the, we're in the age of the influencer and short form content. And then, man, I just feel like it's easier than ever to not have an excuse to produce that kind of stuff for your business. Yes. I, I mean, right. I think it, it gives, it lends a lot of authenticity to something. I think that to me, one of the biggest reasons you buy from anybody or you work with them is that authenticity, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's what's there. The nice thing is that the technology is so good. You don't need to go do larger productions. There's no reason to go spend unless you're, you know, you're hiring and doing the 50 to a hundred thousand dollar commercial spots when you're going to rotate these things out within 30 days. And a lot of it has to deal with attention span of people, right? Like you said, that short form content's there and it hits people so much. How do you make sure that it's, you're still capturing them, showing your branding, doing things like that. You can't go spend that type of money to produce, you know, one version of these things. You have to do them eight to nine times over, you know, and that's, that's the unfortunate side of it is it's not unfortunate. I shouldn't say that it's changed the way that we do content development um, quite a bit, but it's all for the better, in my opinion, right? I mean, it's 100%, no excuses. You can make it on the fly. You can create amazing content that's there and that resonates with your people. And it's kind of what I said before, it goes back to setting buyer personas. What are our customers? Who are they? What do they want to see, right? I mean, it's you're not going to get that same, Gucci's not out here doing pocket picture. I mean, videos on their cell phone, right? It's just not what they do. They're still advertising in GQ and print. They're still using models for everything. They're not doing these items. They may be collaborating with influencers, but they're putting them in on those $100,000 sets, right? It's really unique to see how brand specific it is and how the buyers interact with that product on when you're creating the content. So, you know, the excuses are gone um, with it, but there still is, I, I still think there's a time and place for that, those other higher end mediums as well that, that still exist. Now, with that power to produce that content also came the power to ruin your brand pretty quickly. I mean, we've seen that. We see that happen. It happens regularly. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like it's someone saying something stupid, doing something stupid. And I mean, everyone's got it's the easy. phone in their Everyone had you while you have the phone in your pocket to record yourself, they have the phone in their pocket to record you. So beware, people. I think it that does. I mean, here's my opinion on that, right? If you're an asshole and you're going to get canceled for any reason or you screw up, you probably it probably should happen to you, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just be a good person. That's yeah. what all it comes back to at the end of the day. I mean, if you're not living by that rule, you probably start doing it and you're not you don't have a whole bunch to worry about, you know. Um, I've actually had that, I've had that comment about it. You know, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they caught that person that one time they said that. Yeah, that wasn't the one time they said that. No, I mean, listen, this is gonna. All right, we're, we'll pivot here for a second on this one. 
I've worked as, at high level things and very luckily high level companies in the past. The ones who say it, they say it often. Right. That's what I've always found. It's not like a one, one, two punch. So, you know, it, it's maybe start being better. You don't have to worry about it. That's, that's yeah. kind of the way you look at it. And I, it does listen. Is it, it's something that has derived. If, if I do think it's unfair to some companies that they have, you know, bad customer service with one person who's had a bad day, things like that. You need to let run. Right. I mean, that's, we all own and operate businesses. We know how stressful it can be. You know how employees act. Things are going to happen. You're never going to be a hundred percent all the time. How do those companies rectify it? What do you do? I mean, it's the customer service approach, right? After that. And it's why, especially with Amazon changing <clears throat> so much the way e-commerce has to be, that's really no questions asked anymore. Right. I mean, it's basically like, Hey, listen, you want to return or you're not happy. We just got to suck it up and deal with it. <laughs> uh, you know, another trend that is, I think healthy, you, you mentioned privacy and you have transparency and trust building. And these are things that, you know, this is what I like about the more personalized approach to marketing. And, you know, there's so many people that my phone is listening to me. It's probably not. I mean, realistically, it's not. And these algorithms have gotten pretty good. I mean, as, as little as we all want to see advertising everywhere, it's not going away. So I don't have a problem with it being personalized to shit that I'm actually interested in and might actually buy. And, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. So, you know, that personalization um, and, and, you know, the, the crossing this line, between when when is it private and when is it not is going to be a big thing coming down. So we also talking you know, we're, we're talking about content. Did you have a comment about that? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, here's one from my end, right? Where you look at it this way. I'm somebody who I I work in it. I know a lot of what we actually do capture and what's available to it from a data side. Somewhat the listening in thing, not as much. People again, this is you see it, but you probably looked at it somewhere else, and you we're talking about it later. So now they were listening, right? That's the idea. I did air quotes there for anybody who wanted to know and they were listening. Or they just know you're a cat person. Yeah. I mean, these are things that happen, right? I mean, it's not the end of the world. I personally, I accept everyone and share all my information with advertisers. You know why? Because when I buy stuff and I like it, I want more things of what I like. Like I, I you know, that's the reality. Why not get, you're telling me I can get things that I possibly could like and never see based on this. Yeah. Show it to me. I'm into it. You know what I mean? Like that's, it makes our lives a little easier in, in a lot of regards. And you're not having to go out and, you know, you get exposed to new things, which I think people have gotten better with. But in reality, let's get exposed to as many new things as possible. And if AI helps do it, run it. If that's, you know, it's it's not a privacy issue. They're not digging into that much stuff. And half of people already signed up for TikTok. So, you know, they already got most of your info and they get your face. So who cares about that? Yeah. It didn't yeah. stay. It didn't stay here in the U.S. for you either. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, talking about conversational marketing and quality interactions with people, I think this is something that technology has really stepped up. You know, your ability to. Uh, well, I remember I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I remember buying something as a child where we sent away a check, and it was like four to six weeks for delivery. And not being able to, like, if I would have wanted to follow up on someone, I would have had to have actually made a long distance phone call that cost money. How about that? Yeah. 
That was a yeah. thing. For those of you younger listeners, that was a thing once. You couldn't just dial anyone anywhere. Uh, no. but now, yeah, you now have this ability to live chat and do a lot of different stuff. And that's a component of, of digital marketing and creating quality interactions with brands that hasn't been possible in the past. And I mean, I, that's trending up. You, uh, I, I always enjoy, uh, even when it's, uh, you say quality interactions, I think the Wendy's Twitter feed is, is, is just amazing. And I'm going to yeah. leave it up to you listeners to go ahead and, and, uh, uh, look at that on your own, but they make some world-class comments that are really funny. Um, I'm going to Google one and see if we can find one, but yeah, that, that, that interaction is, uh, you know, and if you're not aware, Wendy's is known for kind of roasting people. It's almost like the opposite of the quality interaction, but it is, it's great. So it's, so it's literally like, here's one, uh, if at Wendy's, if you reply, I will buy the whole Wendy's menu right now. Wendy's says, prove it. And the guy just replies with the trash bag, the full, full trash bag. So, you know, it's like, I mean, and you know, they're, they're just, I mean, they'll just keep going on and on and on. But if you don't follow Wendy's on Twitter, you are probably messing out. So, I mean, how do you feel about, do you, at 561Media, and once again, you can go to 561Media.com and learn more about Michael's company. Um, so when it comes to the interactions, uh, do you coach clients? Are they concerned about it? Do they want to improve oh, it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, dude, they, so, so many people do care, I think, too much, right? I mean, this is what it is. They expect, some still expect to be able to do 100 out of 100. I'm like, you're, listen, in this world, day and age, on social media, don't, if you, if you get, I've had people actually literally cost themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars because they were so worried about getting bad things that they don't want to be up anymore. And they're not even bad. It's just that somebody says, Hey, frozen who froze? we sell a lot of stone crabs online. I'll plug one of our uh, companies. If you guys ever had stone crab claws, Key Largo fisheries, it's a high end seafood item essentially, right? It's one out of this world. Unlike any other seafood in there. There's only a season that runs basically October through um, May that exists for them. So you get a small window to, to try them. We luckily blast freeze on same way that you do high-end sushi, um, like Chutoro and Otoro when it comes over. You can sell them all year with it this way. Our locals down here in Florida, you know, from time to time can be a little different. And they love to make comments about, you know, not being in season, don't try them, all these things. So they used to be hesitant. And now as we went nationwide with it, I'm like, guys, just make a comment back, tell them what blast freezing is, explain it. So, you know, that changed alone and they went from doing a couple hundred thousand a year to multi, you know, well into eight figures online only. So it's, you know, letting go a little bit and understanding that people are going to have comments, things to say online of all place ain't the end of the world. It's not really going to jeopardize your business in many regards. Some levels of it, you can go back to the old world, right? All, I mean, all advertising is good advertising. So if somebody wants to talk about you, they're going to bring people back, let them decide what they think, right? At the end of the day. Um, but we try to coach, you know, it's, it's again, it's the, the thing, just be a good person on it. Explain to individuals, you can, you can lose as many by, you know, being a little, a little combative, but a lot of times it's an easy conversation online. Just do what you would do if you were on the other end of the line with them. I think the worst thing to do is actually not reply. Yeah, it's, it depends, right? I mean, I, I go back and forth. I do think you should reply, right? You should have a saying, and now you have to, because 
I mean, they allow anyone to say anything, right? Even in deflammatory scenarios, like you just make something up. People have no interaction with your company and go online and try to say it based upon this. I actually had a customer in here before he sells um, locally. He basically, he's a huge landscaper in Wellington, Florida and does massive, massive landscaping projects, but he also gets wholesale access to nurseries. So he's spun up this e-com site and basically gives half the price of Home Depot can drop off landscaping to your house. You know, the same thing he would put in for hundreds of thousands, you're buying for, you know, pennies on the dollar, delivered and go into. Somebody used a stolen credit card on his website and the person decided to give him a one star who owned the credit card like it was his fault. You know, hit there, what are you supposed to, he's like, I'm sorry, I refunded your money, did everything. It's, you know what I mean? It's it, what else am I supposed to do? And it's, you know, my fault that someone stole your credit card. <laughs> you know, yeah. those are the types of things that, that are going to happen, exist. And you can reply to them in a good way. But, you know, by ignoring them, it's always a tough scenario for sure. I don't believe most online reviews. So finding, helps on those. finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, about, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So... All right, so I have a question for you, Matt. I know, I know you guys in, on your end, kind of what you guys do. I'm just, you know, we have background in software development, that as well. And obviously, what do you guys see like with these no code style? Like, what are your thoughts on like Bubble that pops up and these other, you know, Stacker HQ where you can build web based apps that they're saying are, you know, no code for, for that? Long term, obviously, we know to get any valuation, anything out of it, you've got to have proprietary software really but you see a lot of these new SaaS companies popping up and they're not using you know necessarily proprietary stuff right away they're kind of pasting and, and connecting to get those beta tests and proofs of concepts done i think that's good for like mvp type stuff yeah. you know, minimally viable products and um it's good to for proof of concept but you know and I, i've actually recommended to quite a few people that they use things like bubble.io and if you're not familiar that's we should no we shouldn't be saying no, code no advertisements yeah yeah no code sorry. or low code is, <laughs> well it's fine because it, it has its place and i think that's really for companies that i mean i think that's kind of like zapier like zapier.com yeah. is uh is a a, a platform built to connect platforms to other platforms. I use it. And it's I just, use, I mean, it's yeah. honestly for my end, one of the biggest tools we've ever had. I mean, Facebook doesn't even have a decent advertising platform where you can get leads emailed to you. You literally, if you don't have a CRM that connects with it, which a lot don't, you have to use Xavier, right? I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people are in for a little bit of heartbreak if they go to try to scale that to the next level. Cause the thing yeah. is you don't own anything you create and, no. and bubble. And they're, you know, and you got to read the, read the fine print. I, like I said, I think it serves, I, I have actually recommended to, to quite a few early of uh, the earliest stage founders that they try something like that because they need to be ballers on a budget. They need to show something that, but the thing is, is, is if you don't own it, I mean, you've kind of built the Franken platform and yeah, the problem yeah. is, is you do get to a point where if it's not proprietary, it's problematic. And so, yeah, I think, stuff like that, I think, but I, I'm a supporter of stuff like that because I think that there's, 
the thing that sucks for a lot of people, and you remember like you talk about building shopping cart software and stuff like that is I don't like to see people with orphaned products. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, they find a developer and that's not real. I mean, at full scale, that's not really what we do. We're working on kind of like bigger, bigger, larger uh, things in perpetuity. But you talk about someone that builds something and uh, they have absolutely no ability to support it. And that's where I think that the low code or no code stuff is good for a lot of businesses. And also there's just a lot of shit you just, just shouldn't have to hire a developer for. I mean, that's that is it. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, we used to get pitched. We used to have to build social platforms. This was years ago and it was hot, right? Everybody wanted to build one. They'd have these ideas. These were the same inventors who used to, you know, back in the seventies, eighties, when they had these ideas, they didn't need coding to do stuff, right? It was like, Oh, I have this idea. Here's how I want to do it. They didn't need to have developers. Then they would come in. I'm like, Hey, you're talking about a project that's going to be six figures initially. And now guess what? You got to maintain the damn thing. Throw it. You know how much that's going to cost? Whatever that guy is, full half price of what his full time salary is for me. You know, to sit on him, um, and you may use him once a month. You may use him nine times a month. I don't really can't help you, and that's I think that's where something like full scale does help, right? I mean, you guys obviously can perform and, and attach with them, and even Bubble it helps you guys and even people like me where it is something coming in. Hey, you have you have a proof of concept. You have you're going to not kill my project managers. You're not going to kill us as we develop everything, we know kind of what you're looking to do. You just don't know how to really do it. And you're just connecting it, you know, with, with some rudimentary development based um, APIs, but it does help you build that proprietary and lay them out software. And so much of what we do and what cost, and I don't even scope projects out for people without paying anymore. You know, oh, 10 yeah. years ago, maybe when I was smaller, now it's like, dude, listen, you're going to pay me X amount for it because you're just going to take this and you can use it anywhere. And if you choose us to build it, right, yeah, I'll, I'll let you carry over that deposit essentially to the project. But it takes so long to actually put together and it's so laborsome that I do kind of see these properties. And I've done the same thing where I've pushed people towards them. It's like, hey, go figure your product out a little better. See what it takes to actually do that. And then if you want some expertise and some real building on it, we can help you. You know, it, it does we work. Don't, we don't scope projects at all. We don't bid them. We don't do any of that. We don't do any statement. No RFPs? You guys, don't, you guys don't even have to deal with those? Our, nope. Nope. Our deliverables are time. Know what you're doing when you show up. Yeah. Otherwise, we're, otherwise we're saying no. Yeah, that's it. So God. Yeah. Uh, dude, it's, yeah, that was that was, like, <laughs> that was like the number one thing when we started that business, and yeah, no, you know, I mean, I still clearly wasn't the wrong thing. We were on the Inc. Five Thousand last last yeah, week. Yeah, no, man, it's it's listen, and I think more people are adapting these ideas, right? It's something that we've changed. The issue in like a business like mine, right? We have a lot of hacky ass people who exist. There's a lot of people working out of their things. They say SEO, they may not get into it. They may touch somebody's property once a month. You know what I mean? There's the, then you get the stigma of I used somebody five years ago and didn't work. And then you did this and it didn't work. It's like it has streamlined now when you see the Deloitte's of the world and you see other people getting into digital marketing. It is a legitimate business when done right. You know, I mean, but there is I can say this from being around for so long and seeing competition build and where they're at. There are some really bad ones. I mean, I could I could name off 12 people like if customers say they were working with X, Y and Z around here. I'd be like, yeah, you didn't get anything done. I know the guys. I fired him two months ago or two years ago. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what we have. And it's so easy to spin up a website. You can pay a guy in India $400. If you take a look at people's, I, I believe this. If you take a look at people's websites, their collateral, their type of presentation to you, that's usually who they are as a company in detail. 
So if you're looking at something and you're like, well, why isn't this nice? Why, you know, it doesn't look that great, but they sound smart. It's usually because they're not, they're usually sales guys and they don't really know what they're doing on that digital marketing side. So I always try to warn people when they're getting into this, it can be a very fruitful business if done right. You can also make a lot of mistakes by hiring the wrong people, you know, and you can be six months behind before you even turn out and you have nothing to show for it. Yep. Um, it happens all the time. I answer that, that that distress call too many, oh, which, which, I, which I would prefer that turned into fiction, meaning like that they didn't exist. And I want to go yeah. back and actually, I want to talk about something that we were talking about earlier and, and that that's customer avatars. So, you know, like, you know, a customer avatar is sometimes referred to as a buyer persona, marketing persona, customer profile. And, you know, it's a, it's a representation of your ideal customer. Uh, part of that and part of what that's part of what, what we were just talking about kind of brought, you know, that kind of brought up the idea or brought me back to what we were talking about earlier. So it's the type of person that you want to purchase your products or services, you know, and handled correctly. An avatar provides valuable insight into, you know, who your ideal customer is, what they want, where they spend their time, how your offering can address their problems. So like it's a, it's a, and it, it is a fictional character. That's why I said, I'd love to turn the, uh, the unhappy customer into a, into fiction, like it didn't exist anymore, but you know, that's always going to come up, but you know, that fictional character with wants, needs, pain points, um, you know, a, a single individual depicting your target audience. So when it comes to, and I feel like this is a, this is a, whether it's digital marketing or your business in general, I feel like that developing and understanding your target customer and your buyer persona, like at full scale, it's typically like, like I mentioned, we don't do statement of work contracts. Yeah. We don't scope things out. We don't review your existing code to tell you if it's any good or not. That's not what we do. We, we take your plan. We, we snap pieces on to your existing team. And if you don't have certain members on, on that team already, your, your buyer persona score with us is plummeting. Uh, Cause we've learned, we've learned who's going to be successful in our model and who isn't. And, and, and we're not just saying, we actually say no to more people than we say yes to. And sometimes my peers are like, dude, what the fuck? You're turn I do it so, all the do it all the time. spends about 20 grand a month, like ongoing. Listen. And they're like, what do you mean you're saying no to people? I'm saying I would rather not have that money at all than deal with it's the problems that come yeah. with the wrong the wrong buyer. A hundred percent. It's a hindrance, right? I mean, it's something where it's like, listen, I only have a finite amount of time. I work a lot. So if someone comes in and you want to take an extra three hours introducing out of my, my day or say even a work week, that's a lot of damn time when you do it at the end of it. What's your time worth, right? I mean, what's your, what's your employees times worth? You know, I, I, this is something that you guys have to deal with in a very unique way that you run your team that's offsite and you have them. Employees, you can't have employees be talked to bad, right? I mean, that's the one thing. They have to want to work for them. And you guys are in a very unique scenario where, that, especially that's the, the biggest thing world, for us. If you're going to treat yeah. our people like shit, you're out. Yeah. I mean, that to me is the day one. No one has time for that. Yeah. There's multiple times we've had it in this area. We get a lot of, Bobertown luckily has a lot of money, right? I mean, it's great for us. Business falls out of the sky and you're, they have, literally, we were talking today earlier, blank checks, Palm Beach Island people. They don't care. Only time they're mad is when you do something wrong and then they start looking at the bill. They'll pay it 
outright before that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of the same scenario of it. If you talk to my, but they also with those things, people feel like they can talk to these employees a certain way and you guys deal with it as false. I mean, IOs overseas, right? Some people believe that, you know, other individuals in different countries can be talked to differently. They have this power. They can do these types of things because it's not there. And it's absolute bullshit. It goes back to be a good person, treat them well. So someone's in here and they're talking to my employees or cussing at them. It's like, listen, we're all grown men. We're all grown individuals here. You don't, you know what I mean? Just treat somebody like you would on the street. Essentially, you're not going to walk up to someone randomly and treat them bad. But going back to buyer avatars, that's our entire strategy, man. I mean, it shifted three years ago where it was, you know, hey, let's rank for these keywords or let's target this or, you know what I mean? Everything that's inside of there, it's still based upon who is looking, right? Who's looking for the product? What messaging do they want to see when it gets there? It goes so far above and beyond of just saying, hey, here's a nice pretty ad video, real, put it up, show them, right? Well, where are they going after that? What do you want them to do? Where are they going to see it? How much are you going to charge them? Do you know what that messaging was for? It doesn't match what's there. Um, all of those little things, if you can't tell me who your customer base is, then I got to figure that out for you, right? That's a transitional time that we're going to see the real data on. What is nice nowadays though, too, is, you know, there's us as being a marketing company and spending a lot of money with Google and Facebook, we get access to things that others can't write off. We can do customer matching day one for someone. I can take your whole CRM, append it with, luckily we have a partner who's one of the largest data pending houses under right underneath Lexus Nexus, right? So I can take your emails, pump it into my APIs, and I can tell you every information about your buyers, correlate them with big data through Hadoop and basically you know, output, here's, here's actually who's buying everything for you. Most companies don't get those abilities, right? But we do, and that's something that we use. So, you know, you'll hear someone say, hey, you know, my shopper is a 45-year-old male. They just bought this. They're in that sweet spot. They have discretionary income of them. It'll end up turning out majority of the people who sign up and buy are their wives, right? So you're not even marketing to the right, right person for the same product. It really is, you know, you, you take what those customers tell you they are, kind of like what you say, you start understanding as they go along. And the reality of it is, it's not who it was at the time. They think that their buyer is that they've been existing for 15 years. It's someone else. And they've been marketing for the last 10 years to the wrong sector. Just by doing something that small and changing, you know, you can grow and see businesses grow their marketing, their sales, their bottom line exponentially pretty quickly. Isn't it amazing how many, how many established businesses that still don't have and it's weird. It feels like an oxymoron to say established, but they still don't have a firm grasp on who their target client is or, or, or they're like, you know, if you look at like the precision nature of it, it's just not state of the art, you know, like it's not pretty easy for me to look at some of some people's stuff. I'm like, here's your, like, there's, here's this slice. And they're like, there's like four lanes on either side of that. And it's like, they're afraid to miss a little I mean, bit. It, yeah. See, yeah. I mean, honestly, those, those ones matter. Here's a weird thing, right? There's a lot of businesses in my area and we've grown this sector exponentially for us, the service-based industry, right? There's H I have HVAC electric clients who now sell generators. They were doing $5 million when they met us. Now they're doing 50, right? It's because they had nothing in place. They were operating on spreadsheets, literally yeah. still doing $5 million, 6 million a year. I mean, I couldn't imagine having to go through the billing process that they did, submitting these things, making sure they would have in-house billing, 
you used to have a call on credit cards. You know, I remember DocuSigns to get a credit card number back rather than just letting customers pay as they go, you know, setting up annual MMR, MRR style recurring revenues. You know, there's so much that's still out there, I think, just in business in general that, you know, can adapt from technology and you're in from software that's being built. Service Titan with somebody who came in, right? They're killing what they do. And all they are is an easy service-based platform for somebody who's never implemented anything, you know? So more and more, as we see, I, I'd hope to see ERP systems become a little more adaptable, right? From a software standpoint, just for customers in general, that helps marketing as we keep trying to grow. I mean, if anything, I would tell businesses, invest in a decent CRM from day one, right? Track everything, keep everything, make sure you know every little bit of data that you have. It is so expensive and it costs so much to get it. Do not miss a single element of it. Because in reality, you know, you, at some point you're going to meet someone who can correlate that and then bigger sales for you. So just maintain that data for sure. Well, when it comes to software, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let FullScale help. We have the people on the platform to help you build and manage team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few simple questions, then let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at FullScale.io. Well, as we are running out of time, thank you for uh, yet, a, this is another stimulating conversation about digital marketing. If you're into digital marketing and just all uh, all things marketing, you know, we have about a thousand episodes that we've published on Startup Hustle and a lot of them have been about marketing. I want to encourage you to, to scroll through the feed because there's uh, those have been the marketing and sales discussions are amongst some of the most popular episodes we've had on the show. So, you know, Michael, on our way out, what's the best advice that you can give to entrepreneurs about their advertising and marketing strategy? You know what I mean? It's be deliberate. I think that's, that's everything I kind of preach to our guys here, right? Go in with an idea, go in with a purpose. If you can't answer, why am I doing this? Or what's the, what's, what are we, what are we trying to get out of it? and you don't have a definitive answer, then you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? Be deliberate in your advertising. And biggest thing as well is don't get stuck on it, right? Don't get paralysis by analysis. We see it all the time where it doesn't have to be perfect, man. Let them see it. Let the customers dictate. They're going to tell you what they want. You know what I mean? That's, that's the beauty of the world we're in today. People have no issue telling you exactly what they want from everything. So, you know, just be ready to pivot, be agile and deliberate. You know, I think that when it comes to my marketing advice for people, it's been the same for 15 years. And that's test, test, test. Just got to try stuff, you know, because I think that um, and, you know, and I'm sure that the guy from the marketing firm will agree that sometimes you, you create these ads and these images and these campaigns and all of this. And you're like, oh, my God, this is it. This is the one. And then really the sound that goes after it should be wah, 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 yeah. wah. And then way, sometimes way it's a couple stuff. Like on this show, you know, I, I remember three years ago was uh, we, you know, we didn't do a whole lot of promo or advertising, but I had one of our, a member of our marketing team send me back a simple thing with the uh, with the full, with the Startup Hustle logo that said a podcast for entrepreneurs. And I was like, God, this is basic. Yeah. It might really work. It's like got milk. And yeah. uh, still three years later, I can't, I have a very difficult time. Well, I actually have any, it's never happened. I can't find an ad that can outclass it for like more than a month. We, we get used a lot of, 
it'll be like hyper specific and it'll be like, oh, that's the one and it's killing it. And then it just dies because it just so, doesn't appeal to a broad enough audience. So we do one, we actually, shocking on this one, guys. We actually do billboards and things too here in the South Florida area. I do a lot of traditional media too on top of just what we do on digital channels. still work, man. People yeah, get do slow traffic areas. Like if you're- Yeah, so- I mean, we do we do like a turnpike where it's out west. We have a turnpike, but it's like the business owners drive from Orlando to Miami all the time on this one. So it's a great place to be at. I get people telling me they see it all the time, but all of our messaging years ago, we started. It was just a question like need more sales, need more leads, need more marketing. Right. All these things. It's based stuff. It's like, because everybody drives by and go, yeah, I do. Right. I mean, we all see it. Like, yeah, no, I do. Why? I mean, you only get people so short time now. It's like, hit them where? What, who are you? Tell you yeah. got one second. You don't even get an elevator pitch. You get 35 seconds or less. So, you know, no one wants to read your, your 38 word, 10 point font either. Nah, nah that's, don't do that, man. that's probably yeah. where, where we should end. And thank you for that. joining yeah, me here on this podcast for entrepreneurs. Yeah, man. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.